as the children are heading to children's church and preschool play and worship, I'll invite you to find in your Bibles Hebrews chapter 3. We have a large passage, but just a small focal point for today's message as we're preparing our hearts for communion. We want to have plenty of time for communion at the end of the service. So we're going to read Hebrews chapter 3, beginning of verse 7, through Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. But we're really only going to focus on one of those verses. So you can remain seated. This is a lengthy passage. I know it's warm in here. We'll begin at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they should, they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that if, that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, and the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, As God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, 
but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now that was a massive bite of God's word. A really deep and complex passage. Uh, I wish that I had uh, unlimited time that we could work through this and start to untangle it and unravel it. But for this morning, I just want to focus on what I believe is really the big idea of the passage. And that's this idea of rest. Did you know, and this might sound really good to you right now, that one of your highest callings as Christians is to rest. That's one of your, your highest endeavors as a Christian is to rest. We're going to zero in on chapter 4, verse 11, which says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let us strive to enter that rest. How do you strive to rest? Doesn't that seem contradictory? It shouldn't be hard work to rest, should it? It can't mean work hard to rest. It can't mean that for one reason. Look back at uh, chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. <clears throat> so the admonition, the, the exhortation for us today, strive to enter that rest, cannot mean work really hard to enter the rest. But the word strive does mean to be diligent and to apply yourself to something. The key is in the word belief. The whole idea of Christian rest is encapsulated in the idea of belief. Let me just show you a couple of points through the passage so you know I'm not making it up. Uh, chapter 3, verse 14 says, For if we have come to share in Christ, for if we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, that confidence is the idea of the assurance of full trust and belief down to verse 19. So we see that they, the Israelites, were unable to enter the promised land because of unbelief. It was unbelief that stopped them back then, and it's unbelief that will stop us today from entering God's rest. So it refers to the Israelites when they were entering the promised land. Maybe you guys remember several, several years ago, we worked through the whole book of Joshua together. This is before Romans was even a glint in our eyes. We worked through the Old Testament book of Joshua. See, back then, the people of God had this promise ahead of them, and that's what they held dear was this promise that they were going to be freed from Egyptian slavery. They had been enslaved for 400 years, and that God was going to lead them to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So they are freed from Egypt, free from slavery. Moses leads them out. You've all seen the movie. And in the wilderness, on the way to the promised land, they send spies into the promised land to check it out. And and sure enough, it's an awesome land, but there are fearsome armies in the land. And the people of God disbelieved in God's promises, and they fearfully decided not to enter. And because of that, God punished them and did not allow that generation to enter into the promised land rest. That's what he keeps referring to back when he talks about Israel. If they had believed, they would have obeyed, and they would have gone forward, and they would have conquered, and they would have that generation could have entered the promised land rest. But because of their unbelief, they disobeyed and they were unable to enter the rest. What the author of Hebrews is saying is that whole thing, 
is a foreshadowing of what we face today. We are going to have to decide if we believe or if we don't believe. If we believe, we will be able to enter into rest. If we don't believe, we will not be able to enter into the rest. So the striving to enter that rest is a striving to believe. The, the hardest work we have as Christians is to believe, to trust God at his word. It's to fight the good fight of... Y'all remember that verse? Fight the good fight of faith. Not fight the good fight of doing better Bible studies. Not fight the good fight of attending church more regularly. Not fight the good fight of being morally superior than, to everyone else. Fight the good fight of faith. If you're restless... This morning, I want to encourage you to strive to enter this unique Christian rest. And the way you strive to enter this rest is through belief. So how in the world do you do that? We're going to zoom back to chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, and sort of camp out in these verses. We're given two ways to strive to rest. So this is for you if you're restless, if you are spiritually, emotionally tired, If you want to receive that promise Jesus gave, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. This is how you you come, okay? Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we're given a couple of tools and a couple of of pointers on how to strive to enter the rest here. We'll look at each one in turn. First, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. That word, take care, it means more literally to, to watch out. It's, it's the idea of like being up in a guard tower and keeping watch over something. It's watch your heart. So if you're restless, let this be step one in striving to enter God's rest. Watch your heart. There's a Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23, that teaches us that we need to guard our hearts above all else because from it flow the springs of life. From our hearts flow everything else that makes us who we are, our desires and our motives. We're supposed to guard that above everything else. I, I just happened to listen to a podcast on that Proverbs verse this last week, I'm trying to run now. It's been moderately successful, but then I got sick. I got two days of momentum, and then I got sick, and I've been on the couch all week afterward. But on my second day, I was listening to a preacher, a guy named Wayne Grudem, talking about this verse. And it's a, he made a simple point, but it really stood out to me. The fact that we need to guard our hearts above all else means we, that we need to guard our hearts really above all else, including all the other things that we do guard. For instance, how many of you locked your cars when you parked? Many. Some of you can't probably remember. Some of you did and your keys are in there. Usually you lock your car because you don't want anybody to steal your car or your valuables inside your car. So we're we're watching out for that. We're guarding it. But often we're not even giving that level of care for our hearts. You know, Meredith and I watch over our kids the best we can. We guard them. We, they know their parameters in our backyard, where they're allowed to go and where they're not because of the roads. And they actually use the word parameters. They have to stay in their parameters and we watch them because we don't, you know, there's a lot of traffic down both of the roads that go beside our house. And we, 
if they're outside, we're always, whatever we're doing, we're keeping an eye out the windows because there's a lot of foot traffic that goes by too. And we watch over them. That verse means even more than that, watch over your hearts. Because if you lose your heart, you lose everything about you. You lose your life. You lose your ability to be a godly parent, a godly steward of the things you have. So even more than you guard your bank account from identity theft, guard your heart. There's nothing more important in your life than your heart. So here we're told to enter that rest, to strive, to, is to take care, to watch carefully, to watch over our hearts. We're looking for two things. Lest there be in, it, in any of you any evil or unbelief. Evil and unbelief. Evil just means bad stuff. This is the sin that can creep into our hearts. The greed, the selfishness, the bitterness, the laziness. These things that can grow like weeds in our heart. We need to be watchful to see when these things start to come about. Unbelief is any evidence that we're, we're not believing in God and his, his word and his promises. The key indicator of unbelief, okay? And I'm just going to say it like it is scripturally. There, there's sort of two. You see it in, in disobedient behavior and you see it in our anxieties. You see it when, we, when we're disobedient and when we're anxious. And both of them lead us often to fall away from the living God. So it's normal to have concerns and it's normal to experience stress. But when your concerns and your stress turn into the sort of anxiety that leads you to fall away from the living God, that's when there's problems. That's when there's trouble. When it leads you to start to look for alternative paths than the path of trusting the Lord. When it leads you to forsake this and say, I need other solutions. That's problematic. Okay, we have to always be watching for these things because we're prone to grow these things in our hearts. So I was trying to, I had to make a, a decision on the fly if I was going to go here, and I think I have to. So your heart is very hard to understand. We talked about this at great length in Sunday school. If you missed it, you can ask somebody who's there. But God's given us a tool that can help us in this to watch our hearts. And it's his word. And I just want to read to you quickly the last part of what we read at the beginning, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You may not know how to watch your heart and how to understand what's in there, and that's why God's given us his word. So one way to strive to enter God's rest is to root down deep into God's word and allow it to reveal your heart to you. Keep a watch over your heart. Okay, the second way is in verse 13. But exhort one another. It's coming. Maybe I don't have it on there. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's chapter 3, verse 13. I may not... Oh, it is up there. So you need to watch your heart and you need to speak to your hearts. Exhort is a great biblical word. It's, it's not a word that you use in conversation very often, but it means to plead and to beg and to summon and to forcefully try to persuade someone. And here we're told that we need to exhort one another. 
See, I think actually the watching of the hearts and the speaking to the hearts is something we're meant to do, not just for ourselves, but for each other. You know, often we use the word fellowship to mean uh, loose social gatherings of Christians. But this is more what the Bible means by it. It's a relationship with someone deep enough where they can say to you, I think there's something going wrong in your heart. I feel like you're not believing this promise. I feel like you've forgotten that God's word says this. We all desperately need friendships like that. Men, you need iron sharpens iron kind of relationships with other men who can speak directly to you about sin and disbelief they see in your life. We can't grow without it. So if you're restless, it may be because you need to watch your heart a little more closely. And it may be because you need to have someone in your life who can exhort you, who can speak to your heart a little bit. How often? Every day, as long as it is called today. We need this all the time. We cannot survive as Christians without it. So I want to draw to a close. I know this is a brief sermon. Part of that's because I think I'm still a little bit sick and it's really hot. (laughs) And I want us to have time for communion. Take some time perhaps to read this passage. Uh, Go to a house-to-house group to further talk about this passage this week. There's a lot of riches in here. But for this morning, those of us who may feel restless, let's strive to enter God's rest provided to us through Jesus Christ. Through his body, his blood broken and shed for us so that we could rest from our works and strive to rest in trusting God. Let's watch over our hearts and one another's hearts. Let's exhort our own hearts and one another's hearts. Let's not fall away from the living God. Let's not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let's strive to enter that rest together. And communion is a very fitting way to move forward from this passage because this is the fundamental reminder of the promise, the central truth of Christianity that we rest in. That Jesus paid your way. That Jesus died for your sins. That he rose from the grave to be your Lord. So I want to pray and then I'll invite our deacons and ushers to come forward and we'll begin our communion service. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for Jesus Christ above all. As we partake of these elements, Father, I pray that you would that you would search our hearts, that you would enable us to use the, the quietness of these moments and the time as we pass the elements to reveal to us any evil in our hearts, sin that needs to be confessed, any unbelief that we need to confess, any falling away that we need to come back from, any ways in which we've been hardened by the deceitfulness of sin that we need to be softened in. Lord, let us take these elements as humble, repentant, confessing, clean and clear, restful Christians. In Jesus' name, amen.